For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And we are getting into team win totals that have changed. So we did our team win totals at the beginning of uh, this offseason, but. As per usual, there are a lot of things that have changed since then. So we're going to go through some of those things that have changed, specifically the AFC South, that entire division's win totals have changed. So there's been quite a few things that would need to be updated there. And then a couple of the other favorites in the divisions. And obviously, because there are a few holdouts happening in the NFL, we're going to get into those teams as well. But first, we're going to start off with Jadavian Clowney and how that could impact the fantasy landscape. So I will go to you first here, Jake. The number one place that has been kind of pushed out there, right, is that Clowney gets traded to the Miami Dolphins. In in return, they get more than likely Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills, potentially something else, potentially a high pick. But let's go from a fantasy landscape right now. Let's let's have some fun here. And and those two guys are headed to Houston. Jadavion Clowney is headed to Miami. So from Houston perspective, if they get that in return, what is the fantasy outlook um, if that trade you know happens to come to fruition? I mean, it kills Houston's defense. I'll be the first to admit I took them in the 15th round without looking at their schedule. I've already dropped them and picked up Phillies because they were playing New Orleans and Phillies playing in Washington. So I've already got that. I've already got one waiver wire in my fantasy league uh, that we drafted the other night. It kills Houston's value because I said Houston's defense is only good if all three pass rushes are playing. From Houston's offensive point of view, I don't know what Kenyon Drake does. He's basically the same thing as Duke Johnson. So now you've got two guys that are doing the exact same thing. Kenny Stills would help because the other guys can't stay healthy, and Kenny Stills is just a solid, good pro that can go deep, run all the routes in the route tree, all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't make a ton of sense for my. I mean, I guess it makes a lot of sense for Miami defensively. From a fantasy perspective, I'm not really sure what it does. I think it kills Houston's defense. I think Kenny Stills has probably the highest upside fantasy-wise going to Houston over Kenyon Drake, who's still not healthy and basically done the exact same thing as Duke Johnson, who's been there for now two weeks. Yeah, I think this hurts fantasy values more than it helps it. I think what this does is Drake will have some value, but it'll end up hurting Duke Johnson's value for what it is right now. Uh, I look at Kenny Stills and I say maybe that here's some value there, but what happens when Kiki QT comes back? You know, who's going to be missing out on targets there? And as far as Miami goes, from a from a fantasy perspective, it would make Miles Gaskin a very interesting play there if Kalen Balaj continues to, to look the way he has. It would also mean probably that Albert Wilson would play in the slot there, which is a really – exciting role if Fitzpatrick is starting just because he targeted slot receivers more than any other quarterback in the league last year. From a football perspective, I understand why Miami is interested. If you're trying to build your team, you already have your franchise left tackle. Can you get a franchise pass rusher? And maybe can you find out if Josh Rosen is going to be your guy or whether that's going to be Tua or Herbert or whoever is going to be, you know, whoever that pick might be at the draft. So I get why they're doing it there, but I feel like this is – has a greater chance if this trade happens similar to what we've talked about 
to hurt more fantasy value than it helps. Okay. How about the other scenario that's been kind of floated out there in Philadelphia, which would include Alshon Jeffrey going to the Houston Texans, um, obviously Jadavian Clowney going to what is more than likely going to be a pretty damn good defense in Philadelphia. So Jake, I know since you just picked up Philly's defense, you're probably hoping this trade happens because that helps the fantasy value for that defense first and foremost. Yeah, I think that defense is going to be pretty solid all the way around anyway. I basically did it because they're playing Washington in week one and with that quarterback situation, you know, who knows what's going on. But that would tremendously help Philly's defense. Jadavion Clowney went healthy as an absolute freak. The question is how much is he healthy? He's healthy enough right now that that trade could go through. He could pass the physical, all that kind of stuff. The really intriguing part about that is Alshon Jeffrey now going to Houston. He's a better player. Now Will Fuller can just go deep, but he's a much better player than the rest of the guys they have other than Nuke. But you put him on the other side. Big possession guy, can go up and get it. you got two similar players with huge catch radiuses. I don't know that his value goes up because he's the number one target in, in Philly, basically. Uh, but it's a very intriguing thing with as much as Houston's going to throw it. If he ends up going there, I like that offense more. I like Deshaun. I think it helps Deshaun Watson's value a ton. Yeah, it would be a huge boost for Deshaun Watson because now you're, you're putting a premier receiver on both ends there. And look, we've seen the chemistry he has with Will Fuller, but we don't know how Fuller's going to recover from that ACL. We also don't know if he is anything more than just run a nine route and see what happens, which is fine. You need that in that offense with, with Deshaun Watson's arm and the other weapons there. But, you know, it, to me, it's it's a big upgrade for Watson weapons-wise. So that gives him now four legitimate wide receivers if we had Kuti in that mix there. They would also probably get one of Philadelphia's 8,000 backup running backs there. And uh, I don't know if you saw the, the guy from Mad Money, Jim Cramer, is doing some fantasy stuff now, Bull Market Fantasy. And, and he said in his video that it's not a running back by committee in Philadelphia. It's running back by Congress. Oh I mean, they have so many options there. I would imagine Josh Adams or Coy Clement would go back to Houston in that deal, which, again, would just be more of a spell for Duke Johnson, but still a weapon that they need. I don't think – Look, Houston can't afford to give up too much more capital for running back help on that team. They're going to have to wait for cuts or maybe in a trade like this. But to me, the Philadelphia one is far more exciting for both teams involved. If, again, this were to happen, we keep hearing rumblings uh, in the NFL insider community on Twitter, if you've been paying attention, that there's a premier wide receiver that's on the market for a deal. And if that's Alshon Jeffrey, it would make a little bit of sense. You have Nelson Aguilar there. They've been impressed with, you know, Jay Draw out there and somewhere Ben Solak's ears are, are twitching as we mentioned his name. <laughs> you know, Deshaun Jackson's going to miss – could miss a little bit of time, but not a lot. Uh, he's going to probably play through that broken finger, but they have him there as well. You have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. They have a lot of pass-catching options in Philadelphia right now. So if you're going to move a premier, if there's one team that can actually do it that's a contender, Philadelphia makes sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot of smoke when it comes to this trade. Jadavion Clowney's been on the block for what it seems like the entirety of this offseason, and he has made it pretty clear that he wants things to be different and has been sitting out, and I think that the, there will be a trade. Whether or not that happens with either of the two teams we just mentioned, we're not sure, but those are currently the two teams that are getting discussed the most. Since you brought it up, Jamie, Deshaun Jackson and his injury – What's the outlook and, and timetable are you thinking here? Because I know you said he might play through it, but it is going to be a, a lingering potentially issue a little bit longer than maybe we anticipated. Yeah, it's a broken finger, and, and they, according to the latest reports today, that's, it's a three- to four-week injury. Now, he, you can play through that. Uh, we have seen players do it, and Sean Jackson appears poised to play through that. There seems to be a lot of confidence he's going to be out there week one. We'll still see about that. I would. That's one of those injury reports I'm going to watch all the way up into the weekend before their game. But 
I mean, we'll see. I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. I don't anticipate the Eagles are going to struggle very much in their opener against the Redskins. I believe that's a home game as well. So uh, he might not get a ton of snaps there. They've been really get, get the rookie in there and playing him more. Nelson Aguilar is there. Jeffrey's still there for now. Uh, I don't see any reason why he's the guy that they're going to put out there for a ton of snaps in week one while he's still hurt. Don't worry about this for two seconds. It's a broken finger. If it's broken down by the knuckle, it's one thing. If it's broken up in the finger, you tape it next to the one. You you shoot it before the game. You tape it to the finger next to it, and you go on and you play. It's not like he's a big, rangy, you know, catch radius guy that's snagging everything with his hands. He goes deep. He catches punts. He can catch any of that stuff off his shoulder pads. He's not missing any time. This is, like, absolutely irrelevant to injury-wise. A broken finger sounds like a big deal. It's not going to be a big deal for him. Broken finger to the rest of the population who, as we continue to see other people tell me about how they would play through what Andrew Luck played through. Uh, yeah, they, can, they can kiss my ass, anybody that wants to tell you that. A broken <laughs> finger ain't turf toe. Turf toe is debilitating. A broken finger, you tape it to the one next to it, you're fine. Yeah, just a reminder that none of the rest of us are playing football uh, and none of us, uh, none, no real injuries that happen to everyday people are the same as what's happening on a football field. Uh, just your, your common reminder. Jarek McKinnon has been a constant uh, state of updates of his issues. He came, the head coach Kyle Shanahan comes up and says, listen, he keeps kind of getting to this, this turning point and then has a regression again, right? And that can be continued to be frustrated from a fantasy outlook, I, I considered him, I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, to be undraftable, right? And, and I think now we're nine days away from kickoff uh, in Chicago and Green Bay, 10, day, 10, 11 days away from those guys playing. You can't imagine that this is going to be something that he's going to be able to go out there and play for, Jamie. No, I mean, he's been off my board for several weeks now since his, his first setback of the offseason when they had to put him where they thought that they would. Took him off pop and then he, had to, then he got hurt right away. This is a situation to me, it seems like, again, we're not in that room. We don't know all the specifics, but they need to shut him down for a while. And, and this is one of the things where he's still clearly not right. He's still having in, injury issues associated and stemming from auxiliary pieces to that ACL. He just needs to be shut down for a while. And I think that might that while might be the whole season at this rate. I mean, these are multiple setbacks in this offseason off that major knee injury. Even if he came back, he's the third option in San Francisco, maybe. Maybe he's even the fourth option at this point. Um, I know they, again, they didn't cut him when they easily could have, so they probably had some sort of plan for him. But at this point, you can't even begin to draft him. Like, there's, I don't even think the value is. Even if you told me tomorrow he's all healthy, what is his upside? Like, he's the third back there. So I, I'm not taking him in any drafts. Yeah, I think they feel pretty good about where they're at. I mean, I agree with you. They should have cut him when they had the chance. This all comes down to salary cap implications to me of why he's still there. They're, I don't want to put him on IR and have to eat that for the whole season because it's a big number. But even if he comes back and plays, as you said, I think they're pretty solid the way that they're set with Tevin Coleman and Brita. I mean, I don't I don't know, was he going to play in the slot? they got like five young receivers that all kind of do the same thing. So I don't think there's any value for him. I think they'd love to move on at this point, but I don't think they can yet because he's not healthy. No, he's definitely not healthy, and it continues. Like I said, Kyle Shanahan says that he continues to kind of get to this turning point as far as him taking the next step and gets kind of three-fourths of the way and then continues to kind of go back. So I think what Jamie is alluding to is probably the only long-term option for them, which is shutting him down so that he actually gets himself fully healthy, uh, whether whether or not that means for that team in totality, just don't draft him. That's what it means. From, yeah, there's, from there's, no there's no upside. Yeah, yeah no. That's... Definitely no upside. The last thing we're going to talk about here is the Tampa Bay Bucks running back room, and that is because – if you are a fantasy, as we talk, as we talk about real football, okay, and fantasy football, very different things, right? It, what is good for said football team 
is a lot of times not great for fantasy owners. When you are a running back by committee, when you ride the hot hand, any of those things that are said out loud by coaches, coaching staffs, anything, it is a nightmare for fantasy owners because that is the worst case scenario for you. So, Jake, with obvious insight here, what is the best what, – what, what do you need to do from a fantasy perspective in your eyes with all these running backs and who has the most upside? Ronald Jones has the most upside. Peyton Barber is going to be the guy, and he's going to get a bunch of solid carries. Who gets the red zone carries is going to be very interesting. They're both very similar-sized guys. Ronald Jones catches a lot better and has the home run ability. He's also returning kickoffs. Um, there's also going to be – you know, Andre Ellington's got a package – uh, they've got a couple third down guys. Hopefully Ronald Jones can be that third down guy if he's picking up the blitzes and all that kind of stuff. If that's the case, he definitely has more upside. There's still a solid play there for Peyton Barber. He's still going to get 10 to 20 carries a game. It just depends on how the game is going. Um, the only person that cares less about your fantasy team than Bruce Arians is Bill Belichick. So when it comes to you know, running back situations, this is not a great one for fantasy. I think they both have value, but if you need a guy for more upside, I think it's got to be Ronald Jones just because he could take it to the house on any given play, and he's looked very explosive this preseason. Part of me was really hoping that Ronald Jones was going to win that job. And from all accounts, not that he's been bad, just been inconsistent, and he hasn't won that job. Uh, so this is kind of a situation where everybody's a flex play until further notice. Correct. And that's kind of where you're, you're stuck. But Jake, I want to ask you about one player that seems to be a hot name uh, in, in the deep fantasy community of the last few days. Uh, I'm going to try not to butcher this name, but it's Dare Ogumbawale. Yeah, I was, I was going to say 44 and not even try to try his name. Uh, a lot of talk about him. I mean, he got some time with the starters in the latest preseason game. There's been talk that he might be you know, a guy that could be a third down option for them. In, in PPR formats, is there any reason people should kind of maybe pick him up on the last spot on their bench, or is this somebody that's a kind of wait-and-see? There are too many cooks in that kitchen. Too many cooks in the kitchen, but definitely a wait-and-see. I could see him overtaking Andre Ellington in that role. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical, picks up the blitz a little bit better, uh, and has been more explosive uh, through the preseason. Now, Andre Ellington, knowing the coaching staff, knowing the offense as well as he does, those two guys could play off of each other as well in that third-down-back scenario. But the kid has looked good. And if there is a third down role that's not Ronald Jones, it could have developed into that. So it's definitely a wait and see. Keep him on your radar. Don't pick him up yet. Or you're just wasting a spot, I think, at this point. Um, you know, I, and I wouldn't say that, that Ronald Jones hasn't won the job. I think he's looked better and more explosive. They don't want to put a lot on him. It was a confidence issue last year with him getting in the league and growing up and kind of figuring it out. I think you could kind of see, like, David Johnson's rookie year. It wasn't supposed to be his time. But they throw the game-winning touchdown screen pass to him against New Orleans in week one. He returns a kickoff in week two against Chicago. And it was like, we got to get this dude on the field. And the fantasy value was there. I I see a very similar role with Ronald Jones, who has that kind of explosiveness, maybe even more. You know, you're talking about a 10, 200-meter guy in high school who can absolutely fly, who's 215 pounds. Uh, I think they're waiting for him to get that confidence and really click before he takes over that role. And if that does happen – he may still may, may not be the starter, but he's going to be the guy you definitely want to have who's going to get all the explosive touches of thinking David Johnson and kind of that year one role. That's why I asked you about upside long-term, because I think we can all confidently say and have said really from the beginning of this that we like all of them, but we don't really know how they're going to fit right right away, right? But I think the from the beginning, from the beginning of the offseason this year, we have said consistently that 
long term, right, towards the end of the year, you get to the meaty part of fantasy season, potentially into the playoffs, more if things go according to plan and what we think will happen, Ronald Jones is probably going to be the guy you're going to want on your team, especially from an explosive standpoint, like Jake is saying, best case scenario, right? He turns out a, a season like David Johnson did, right? That was totally out of nowhere. Everybody loved it. But listen, we've seen it in that offense before. We know the talent is there, potentially something to pay attention to a guy you can get later on in your drafts. Now I want to talk to you guys about the, the the win totals, right? So we did this show, and you guys can go back and listen to it, where we went through every team, their win totals. But we wanted to go back and revisit the totals that have changed since we talked at that time, right? Because obviously Andrew Luck retired, so that had a huge impact on the entirety of the AFC South. Uh, Lamar Miller, Duke Johnson, uh, Tyree Kill's non-suspension, right? Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott both continuing to sit out. All of that has influenced the team totals in Vegas right now. So we're going off of uh, off of the Bovada lines. You can check those out online. I am going to go into these three teams that currently have either players sitting out or a player that's no not going to get suspended. Then we will do the AFC South. So, Jake, I'll kick things off with the Chargers, obviously, with Melvin Gordon not on the team, not at camp. Probably, as you have suggested, not going to play with the L.A. Chargers this year or ever again. Um, nine and a half. Now they're, they're total in Vegas. Your thoughts over under here? I still take the over, and I still like it. I tell you, the guy that affects this more than Melvin Gordon is Derwin James being out for the year or at least the first half of the year on injured reserve. That dude is an absolute freak to play six positions on that defense, and that defense could be the best in the league, but without him and his flexibility – now, they're one of the teams that are deep in the secondary. They just don't have that guy with that much range and flexibility to go play. That hurts this team as much as anything. I take a game away from him, at least, on the win total because he's not going to be there. Melvin Gordon, maybe a half a game. I don't think it affects it. I still think they get to 10. I still take the over. As do I. I had them at 12 in the like the pre-preseason, before people reported the camp type of preseason. I probably have them down around 10 right now. I think the Derwin James loss, for whatever length of time and how long it takes him to get back up to 100%, is massive. And I think that's going to be – everyone's going to focus on – when they don't win this division now, which now I'm afraid they're not, they're going to focus on Melvin Gordon not being there, whether it's for the whole season or for six weeks or whatever it turns out to be. It's going to be because Derwin James misses half or more of the season. That's going to be the biggest reason why – Look, Joey Bosa hasn't exactly been a pillar of health either. Yeah. You know, if both him and Ingram are on the field, they have the risk of being hurt. Now you're losing – could lose two pieces, two of your key pieces off that defense. There's a lot more range of outcomes now for the Chargers, in the, in, at least during the regular season portion. If everybody's back and healthy for the postseason, then we'll see. I still like the over, but I am have them more as a 10-win team now than a 12-win team. Yeah, and probably more than likely potentially reevaluating as we look at the, what this playoff picture will look like, who's going to get home field advantage. All these things have changed since we all last spoke. Uh, specifically, the the biggest news, obviously, one of the team favorites, all we all liked, obviously, being in, in Indianapolis. Uh, the big news here, obviously, with Kansas City is when we talked to you, we didn't know what was happening with Tyreek Hill. That news has since is is gone. He is playing. He will play the full season. Their win total now is 10 and a half. Jake, do you have that going over or under? Whew. Uh, man, I, I wouldn't touch this one with a 10-foot pole. I will uh, – I guess I'll give them the game that I took away from the Chargers, and I'll go over but slightly, and I don't like it. I think this offense is still going to be a ton of fun. Uh, they're counting on a lot of these young guys with speed to really step up, and Sammy Watkins to be healthy. 
Uh, you, you, you saw the flash from Damian Williams with a nice touchdown last week, and of course Mahomes, but that defense is still terrible. I, I'd, I'd have to lean towards the over because I'll give them the game that I took away from the Chargers. This one's tough for me too. If you guys hear by the, the the long sigh, um, it's I have to go under. I think, but I don't love it. I, I'm not going to bet at this one at all. I think they're a ten win team. I'm not as high on them as everybody else. I think people are putting them and the Patriots in the exact same sentence as AFC favorites, and I just I. I I just from the beginning of this offseason, just something feels different about this team. Their defense got worse. And it was already bad. Yeah. So let's see if it's schemed differently, but that defense is worse. That scares me. They don't have Cream Hunt for any part of the season. That's a small downgrade. Again, we're just, we're talking when you're that good, we're talking about small downgrades. Patrick Mahomes is not throwing fifty touchdowns and five thousand yards this season. Yeah. I, 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 w- I would bet I would bet your house on it, Paige. It's just <laughs> I but I think he's gonna be really good, but I think it's gonna be like 47, 4,800, 35 to 40 touchdowns. I yeah. think he could. I, I brought up on the Bolt Prediction Show. I think there's a strong chance he leads the league in picks. I agree with that. I think it's him, well. Ben, and Jameis. And I think those are so, one of those three are going to do it uh, because they throw so much and they're going to take those chances and they can make up for those mistakes with their arms. So I, I think this is a team that is a good team that has the potential to really flash and win games by 30 at times. But I think they're a 10 win team this year. Like, I. I I don't think this team is one of the premier Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, we've been uh, collectively a little bit more down on the Chiefs, I think, than the than the respective NFL community, mostly because we all kind of believe that Patrick Mahomes, he's not, I don't want to say comes back down to earth because he's still going to be at a godly level. It's just not going to be otherworldly, potentially, like it was last year. That still means context, people. He will still be unbelievable. He's just not going to be at this un like unimaginable level like he was last year. Exactly. And this is where we need to have an adult conversation with the people that hopefully I, I believe in our listeners because of the questions we get that they're smart, they understand what we're talking about. You can say that Patrick Mahomes is going to regress a little bit and still believe he's a premier player in the NFL. There seems to be this weird thought of saying, well, if you don't think he's going to repeat his numbers, you think he sucks. And that's not what we're saying. But just remember, this guy turned the ball over a lot in college. The biggest thing we were worried about going into last year is how many times he would turn the ball over as a starter. He didn't turn the ball over for the first half of the season. And then he started to do it a little bit more. It's a factor. These guys are going to come back down to earth a little bit. Every single quarterback in the history of the NFL has regressed after a season like that. That doesn't mean they're not great. doesn't mean Kansas City's not a good team. I'm just saying with a team with that bad of a defense, you need a 50-touchdown thrower to make up for that. And when that doesn't happen this year, they're going to be a lot more mortal team. They're going just to be a good playoff team, and I don't think they're going to be an elite playoff team like they were last year. No, and we saw – even with all that said, even with how immortal, right, he was, they had a home playoff game and a poor roster with a 41-year-old quarterback came and, and beat that team, right? And and I'm not saying – they were – it's the Patriots, right? It's no surprise. But the reality is it, it wasn't enough to overcome that, right? And there are other teams in the AFC that – if I was picking now and I said the Kansas City Chiefs would have to go into Heinz Field and beat the Steelers, I am picking the Steelers. I, I know that that might be a hot take, but I have seen a lot more of that team, that organization, that field specifically have success. And I'm like you guys, I don't think that they probably will end up potentially having home field advantage because I do think they take a little bit of a regression. 
the Cowboys win total now, obviously, the big difference here is because Ezekiel Elliott has not come to camp. It is now nine, okay? That is the win total in Vegas. Uh, listen, this division's kind of up for grabs. Philadelphia should probably be the favorite, I would assume, in Vegas right now. Uh, we all had high hopes for this Cowboys team, but without Ezekiel Elliott, this team is going to look a lot massively, massively different. Jake, what are your thoughts on that win total? Do you feel comfortable going over in hopes that Zeke comes back at some point? Or what's what's your outlook on this with this team? Yeah, I take the over. I feel like a, you know they're still a 10.5-ish. Uh, you know, since we're talking Vegas, you can throw that that half in there and not an actual win. Uh, I think Zeke's back by week three or four at the longest. This communication seems to be going more. You can see Jerry backing down in the, in the media a little bit and at their their uh, their fan day luncheon. I, I don't think he's missing extended time. I think he's back. I think their schedule is very weak the first couple weeks. Uh, I still I still like the over there. Their defense is still pretty solid. I think any any running back they have, Tony Pollard can carry the load for a couple weeks till he till he comes back. I love the over here. Let me let me explain why. Even though I'm going to downgrade them because them losing Zeke is different than pretty much any other team losing their running back, just the way they built their offense around him and the other weapons that they have. But they're going to start out 3-0 and if I am the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys this season, okay? There's there's no reason. If they, if they lose one of these three games, they don't deserve to be a playoff team, put it that way. When you're dealing with Miami and Washington and the Giants, you should go 3-0 regardless of who's in the backfield. That defense has the chance to be elite. Elite because those that linebacking core is unbelievable. That front seven, I love that team. They do play, they're gonna have to play really another good team in that division, the Eagles. But I think this team, I had them at 12 wins before the season. I can't see a way they don't get the double digits unless Zeke doesn't show up all season, which I don't think is gonna happen. He's gonna be there at some point. I expect a 3 0 start. I expect Zeke to be fully operational by week four, if, even if not sooner. And then at that point, they're going to be a team that's going to be neck and neck with Philadelphia all season for the division title. So right now there's a lot of juice on the under. So I think there's a lot of value on the over nine for the Dallas Cowboys right now. I think people are freaking out when they shouldn't get. Yeah, I I can't imagine that it's a good point to bring up those first three games, right? Because if Ezekiel Elliott was had to face, I don't know, three juggernauts in the first three weeks and you're looking at it and you're going, eh, they could start off 0-3 without Zeke. That's a little terrifying, right? That starts to snowball. The team gets bad. They have three very easy matchups yes. in the first three weeks. And with or without Zeke, like Jamie said, they will be the favorites in those games. Yeah, they have home, home against the Giants week one. They're at Washington week two, home against the Dolphins week three. You know, then they got a big primetime. Now, at this point, it gets tough for the next couple of weeks. They have a primetime game in New Orleans in the Superdome in week four. And they play the Packers at home week five. Like, that's, that's when those games just start to be like, all right, if Zeke's not back, they could lose both those games. Yeah. But – in the early part of the schedule, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Uh, moving on to the AFC South here, guys. The the team we'll start off with here, obviously, major, major difference from where it was uh, just a few weeks ago and just even a week ago. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, anything happened? Yeah, nothing happened in Indianapolis. Uh, the starting quarterback, obviously, now Jacoby Brissett, their win total took a dive. It is now six and a half. Whew. Big, big difference. Ooh. Big, big difference. Ding, 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 ding. I'm taking over and love it. Thank you. Okay. Six, six and a half? Are you freaking kidding me? I, I, I said that I said the other, the other day the entire division's eight and eight. And eight and eight might – they're going – they're winning eight games. I mean, if they were going to win 11 or 12 with Andrew Luck, they're still winning 11 with – or eight with Joe, Jacoby Brissett. Like, I, I absolutely love the freaking over. I do too. I, I think this is – I have them at seven or eight wins. I think that's where they are with Brissett. 
Uh, I wasn't as high. I mean, I had them as a 10 win team with luck. Uh, but look, I, I, I think eight wins, eight wins, wins this division. As awkward as that was to say out loud. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that this division winner is going to win eight games and get blown out by two touchdowns by whoever finishes second in the AFC West. Like we already know this <laughs> is going to happen and we're, and we're done here. So either Kansas City goes into Indy or Houston and beats them by two touchdowns or the other, or, or it's LA does it. Yeah. Uh, but whatever it is. But I like the over here. This is not the same Colts team when luck was out for the season. This offensive line, I could argue, is the best offensive line in football. Yep. It is excellent. Marlon Mack is a legitimate running back that you can give the ball 20 times a game and he can have success there. You have some weapons on the outside. T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches. You have two tight ends, including one in Jack Doyle, who had plenty of success under Jacoby Brissett. I brought that stat up on, up on our last show. Go back and listen to that if you missed it. You have pieces on the field now. You have a rookie-wide receiver that should have an impact for you in the second half of the year in Paris Campbell, who could be T.Y. Hilton light. You have enough pieces there. Jacoby Brissett knows the system. People forget Jacoby Brissett got traded like three days before yeah. he had to start yeah. in Indianapolis when he got there. Like he knows the system. I trust Frank Reich. This is not going to be a Super Bowl team anymore, but this is definitely a team that's going to win seven or eight games and is going to be in that playoff conversation into December. The biggest point here being that it is important to remember how little time Jacoby Brissett had when you're talking about getting traded, learning a new offense, becoming being thrown into the fire completely. He has now had a year and change to sit on an entire year last year behind Andrew Luck in this offense to sit and take reps and understand what's going on. This team is good. They, I, I understand nobody is saying that this team is the same without Andrew Luck. Okay, let me repeat. Nobody is saying that. But what we're saying is this division is meh. In general, and this team as a roster is good enough with that coaching staff to probably get this team to seven and nine or eight and eight. The offensive line and the defense of this team are significantly better, a lot better than the last time Brissett was starting there. Agreed. I think that look, it can't be can't go without saying either that he's taken every rep of the offseason because Andrew wasn't available to do it. Exactly. He's basically been their starting quarterback from OTAs, passing camp, everything on the field through training camp until right now. It's not that big of a transition for the guys in that locker room because that's the guy they've seen every day. Andrew's been over on the side rehabbing by himself. Like you, you cannot go without saying that they're already prepared to play with him because he's been doing it every single day. The chemistry with the receivers, the tight ends, offensive line, the, the cadence, the snap count, the inflection in his voice, that's all they've heard. Yeah. You, can't, you can't even talk about all of the rest of the stuff without saying he's already been the guy. This isn't, you guys nailed it. It was not the week he had to get ready last time. He sat for a year in this offense, and now he's taken every snap for the entire offseason. Yeah. Like it's a great situation for him. I can see this team winning nine games. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good point. There's a lot. I feel like everyone, and it's, it's an overreaction because obviously the news came at a at a point where none of us were prepared for what happened. But you need to be able to look at it non emotionally and evaluate what everything that was just said about this team. So a value at this point. Uh, both guys like all three of us like the over there. The overs juice pretty heavily though, so I yeah. mean, it's going to be tough to get a value. But if there is a book out there that has them at seven, uh, maybe seven even or seven or plus number. That might be one to take. I know you have to deal with the potential push there, but you might you'll get a lot better value. All right. The Houston Texans now at eight and a half. Obviously could change again if Jadavian Clowney gets traded, if Alshon Jeffrey ends up there, or any of the, the first scenarios that we brought up with Miami happen. Uh Jake, I'll go to you first over under here on eight and a half. Yeah, God. Um I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna say eight and eight. I didn't like him before. If they trade Jadavian Clowney and they end up with Alshon Jeffrey. Their offense is better, and it better be because their defense is going to be that much worse, and I think their defense is going to be bad anyway. 
uh, I don't like it at all. I mean, this team is already injury riddled. The offensive line is god awful. The defense is only okay if all three pass rushers are there, and you're talking about trading one of them and the best one of them. Uh, I don't like it. I, I say I say they're they're eight and eight. I'll take the under. Yeah, this has been a stay away all off season. I had them at eight wins before. I have them at eight wins now. Uh, I'm staying away. The the issue that I have with the Texans is one of many is that if you look at bust potential of good to mid level teams. The Texans have a high bust potential. Why? Their offensive line is not just bad, it's dreadful. Their their biggest weapons are 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 hurt. Hopkins will be fine. He's been playing through injury forever, but he'll be fine. But Kuti's now going to le- looks like going to miss week one at least, and maybe week two as well. Fuller again, we have to see him come back on the field and not have any setbacks when he's playing regular season time, coming off the ACL injury. You know, you don't have no backup running back right now to Duke Johnson, who already had one injury with since he's been with your team. You have a secondary that can't stop anybody. So you you have your best player on defense, you're probably going to trade him. Your second best player on defense is probably going to get hurt in J.J. Watt. If that happens, all these things can easily happen. This team could win six games. Like, I mean, the, the bust potential for this team is so high right now. So there's, there's no way I'm taking this bet. Trade Clowny trade or not, they're an eight-win team at best. They're going to be fighting with Jacksonville and Indianapolis to see who gets to lose on wildcard weekend. All right, the last two teams here in the division are both sitting at eight. Uh, the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars at eight even. Jake, over under here. I'm going to take the over. I think they could sneak to the head of this division. I think they're them and Indy, if, if they, they got to stay healthy. If Leonard Fournette stays healthy and they run the ball like they want to and Nick Foles doesn't have to be the guy, I think they're fine. That defense could be elite, as Jamie and I have discussed in previous shows. I'm going to take the over. I think they can get to 9 or 10, but they have to stay healthy to do it, and they can't put too much pressure on Nick Foles, who I don't think is any major upgrade to what they've had in the past. But that defense could be that good. I'd have to lean towards the over on that one. I'm going to push. Okay. I've, I, I have them, I moved them up a couple wins. They're the team to me that benefits. Oh, me. drop your sack. Come on. You can't push. But you got to take one or the other. No, push. I'm staying away. Um, because by the way, they're both minus 115 on both sides of this. I guess I, if I have to take one, I'll take the over. Uh, I had them, this is the team I gave the biggest boost of what's happened so far, because I think Houston and Indy coming back down is just what Jacksonville needs. Cause I thought they were just underneath those teams and now they're going to move up a bit that this is this, they are the post hype sleeper of NFL teams for me. This was a team that should have been in the Super Bowl two years ago. They had a dreadful season last year, an inexcusably bad season last year. But that doesn't mean all the talent and all the progress we saw two years ago just went away. Yeah. That defense is still excellent. They still have so much talent on that team. It's not just Jalen Ramsey. It's guys like Calais Campbell. Uh, it's, they have so many good players on that team. Leonard Fournette looks at least for now is healthy. Raquel Armstead could be his – his spell if he gets if and when he gets hurt, although Fournette's in a contract year, as Jake has mentioned. So maybe some of those soft tissue injuries that were questionable, all of a sudden he'll find his way on the field a little bit more. They uh, We'll see if some weapons emerge. Nick Foles won't be worse than what we saw from Blake Bortles, I don't think. So this is a team that gets very interesting to me because if they bring that defense with them throughout the season and they can shut down Houston's offense a little bit, Indy's offense is a little bit worse, Titans' offense is bad. Like, all of a sudden, this team is interesting. But I, I think they're an eight-win team. If I had to take the, the one of them, I'll take the over. But I think this is an eight-and-eight eight team. Yeah, I think Jacksonville ends up winning this division at nine and seven. I think they're just over on this. But as we've said, I think every team has the ability to be eight-and-eight. Eight. I, I no, I think one team doesn't. 
Yeah. Oh, all right. The uh, I agree. I, I agree with. I agree with that. The more that we're talking, and they're coming up. Titans. Last, last of eight is the total. Uh, Jamie, since you already said what you wanted to say, why don't you just take the floor here? I'll be a little dramatic. I'm taking the under here. I think this is a six or seven win team. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going to put them. I think they're considerably worse than the other three teams that we've talked about. Uh, their quarterback situation is a mess. Uh, I don't know if Mariota is going to start week one or not. I think he will, and I think it's going to be a disaster. He will not be starting in by Thanksgiving, put it that way. Somebody else is starting, whether through injury or benching, somebody else is starting, and that'll be Ryan Tannehill, who I like, but let's be realistic. We like more than Mariota. We don't like on the list of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL right For now. Sure. Uh, Derrick Henry's already dealing with an injury. He looks like he's going to play week one. But again, as I've talked about in the show before, even if you put everything together, let's say he has those same crazy four weeks again and the same season before that, he's still like a low-end RB2. Uh, I just I think they're going to be losing a lot of games. I think again they're well coached. They have a solid defense, and that's going to keep them in game. But they just have so much less talent than those other teams in the division. I just can't see them getting eight wins. I agree. I think I picked them to go six and ten to start with. I'm going to keep that as six and ten, five and eleven. I think they, they they surprised a lot of people last year. They played really really good defense, really good special teams. They made some big plays when they needed to. Um, you know, Derrick Henry had that great finish to the season. I don't, I don't think they can repeat any of that stuff. So I don't think they've changed anywhere near as much as the rest of the division. I still have to say six and ten and take the under. Yeah, uh, this team is not going to be fun to watch. No. Uh, sorry, Kevin Byard, who I who I absolutely adore, awesome guy. Met at the draft, and has, he talks so much smack about this defense. And and I do think they have a really good defense. It's just that offense with Mariota for however long they're going to drag it out is going to be atrocious to watch because I've seen and I I think they're going to try and it's going to take something serious to move him out right and I think we've all kind of agreed on that that it's he's not just going to not be the starter anymore he shouldn't be but I I I know Jake said on on our last show he thinks that Tannehill could start week one and reality is if we took if we took everything out of the equation we took draft position we took how nice of a guy Mariota – if we took all stuff out of the equations, you strictly looked at what we have seen on the field. There's no reason to believe that Mariota should be the starter for no, this team right now. But I think he's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think they're going to give him every opportunity to prove that he deserves it, uh, almost to a fault. Uh, all right, guys. Jake, how can everybody follow – It's going to be a crazy good backup for Tom Brady next year, isn't it? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I think, I think Stidham's got that one wrapped up for the future. That's true. Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. I hate that you guys put this stuff out to the universe. It's almost – it's the same thing that I – our, our good buddy, Luke Lipinski, sent me a text and put it on Twitter, and I told him, if this happens, I am actually going to physically hurt you because he said Andrew Luck will come out of retirement – and go play in New England, and I wanted to vomit. No, that's not, not that. That's not. But I, I could see Belichick doing something like that and playing two quarterbacks in the preseason and doing what he playing the, the great heist he did with Jimmy Garoppolo. God only knows the man's. A- you, you guys want to know why Indianapolis didn't recoup any money? Go ahead. Just for that reason. Yes. For that reason, if he decides to come out of retirement, they have his rights. They own him. He's still under contract. Yes. Yeah. That's- if, they, if they gave up the money, then they could say, "Okay, we're releasing you when you're done." If you ever want to, there's no way in hell Jim Irsay is letting him go to New England. Yeah, yeah. No way in hell. No, not. And if he's if he's gone by by some chance, and the daughters are there running it, there's no way in hell they're letting it happen. He is not never going to play for freaking Bill Belichick in New England. That's 
You heard it? As scary as that sounds, because I'd have to hate him then, and I love him to death. You know that. There's no way that's happening. Look, Josh McDaniels had his chance to coach Andrew Luck, and he turned it down at the oh, last second. He doesn't get it. You don't get another chance with it. <laughs> Jamie, I can everybody follow you on social media. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. Uh, and guys, you can all follow me at the underscore sports page uh, with an eye on Twitter and Instagram, and keep sending me your fantasy football team names. If you haven't seen the thread, it is epic. There is like 300 responses now. The team names are so creative. My favorite ones in, in, involves a playoff of a hotel lyric with Galladay in instead of Holiday in. There are so many good ones on social media. You all have done a fantastic job. Keep tweeting those, uh, and maybe we'll find out uh, a, a, a piece of merchandise for whoever has the best name collectively amongst the group. But have a good Wednesday, and we'll talk to you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.